Amen. Thank you, choir. Thank you. Amen. I have been reminded again and again and again this week about how important it is to have faith to fall back on. We had a lot of funerals this week. We had funerals the week before, and it was hard. There was a lot of crying. There was a lot of sadness. There was a lot of pain and a deep sense of loss in this place. But in the midst of all of this, there was also all sorts of people gathering around to support and to care for one another. There were people to sing beautiful songs of praise, even at the grave. And there was, of course, a constant reminder of God's goodness and God's love, which extends well beyond our earthly life. And it's all been a reminder to me about just how important it is to have faith to fall back on. When things are falling apart, I'm so grateful that I have my faith, that I have this belief in the promises of God to pull me up, to pull me through difficult moments and difficult times. I'd like to speak to you about this idea here this morning. We'll be looking at the people's reaction to Jesus's first sermon. Spoiler alert, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Uh, It's found in Luke chapter 4, verses 21 through 30. That's what I'll be preaching on this morning. And I've titled this sermon, God of the Rejected. Please pray with me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. Yes, yes, I want to speak to you about having faith to fall back on, but first we need to talk about rejection. I know, not a pleasant topic for a Sunday morning. I just woke up, Pastor, what do you mean rejection? Well, buckle up, get ready. Rejection, this feeling of not being accepted for who you are. This feeling of being told no or go away or you're not wanted here. Rejection is something that I think we all have to deal with at different points in our life. Some of us more than others. And so I find it important for us to spend some time this morning thinking about what God has to say. What our faith has to tell us in those moments of rejection. So with this in mind, let's begin by looking at what happened to Jesus after that first sermon. You're going to grab your pew Bibles if you'd like to, or your Bible you brought with us. Luke chapter 4, it's page 53 in the New Testament. Luke chapter 4. And we're going to read this together, if you like, if it is your piety, and it gives you a good feeling. If you would like to stand as we read the gospel, you are more than welcome to do so as we read it together. If you're more comfortable sitting down, that's great too. We worship the Lord as God calls us to worship. All right, so this is Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 21. Then Jesus began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Oh, yes, we heard that last week. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, doubtless, you will quote to me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do here also in your hometown the things that you have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them, except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. 
There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of a hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But Jesus passed through their midst of them and went on his way. Friends, this is the gospel of the Lord. Speed of God. You can be seated. See, now, there's a lot going on there in that passage. And, and be honest with me, when I told you that we were going to talk about rejection, I, get, I bet that some of the biblical scholars in our midst were thinking that I was going to read about the cornerstone that, or the stone that has been rejected has now become the cornerstone. And sure, that would be a great place to go, but I wanted us to spend some time with this moment, because this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It's his first sermon. Now, now think about this. Put yourself in Jesus' shoes for a second. You're just getting started with this whole preaching thing. Your ministry has just begun. And so one of the first places that you get to go is to your hometown. You're coming home for your hometown sermon. They're going to support you as you set out on this mission and ministry. Well, and so you go to the place where you grew up. The place where people know you. The, the synagogue where you grew in your faith, where you learned the stories of Scripture as a young boy. And then all of a sudden, what happens when you preach your first sermon there? What happens? Your hometown people completely turn on you. To the point that they chase you out of town to the top of a cliff with the intention of throwing you off it. Now, I've had some bad sermons in my day, but never as bad as Jesus right there. My goodness. You see, but here's the thing. Here's why I'm bringing this all up. Rejection, certainly, was something that Jesus experienced on the cross. And, and much has been written about it, and we're going to talk about that here later on as well. But the truth is, rejection was a part of Jesus' life all along. It undergirds his entire earthly experience. There was no room at the end, the night that Jesus was born. And there was no room in the hearts of the people in his hometown when he delivered his first sermon. And yeah, I think it's safe to say that Jesus knew rejection. He knew what it was like to try and give a gift to someone and have it thrown back in his face. He knew what it was like to feel alone and isolated and unwelcome. Because while this happens here in his hometown, there's going to be many other moments where Jesus gets rejected by the Pharisees, by the Sadducees, by the chief priests, and eventually by even some of his own disciples. But now, have you ever noticed that after this moment, after Jesus gets rejected in his hometown, he then spends the rest of his ministry seeking out the rejected people of his day and finding ways to make them feel welcome and whole again. Jesus goes to the tax collectors and the fishermen and he says, follow me. To these men whose line of work was completely looked down upon by the society of their day. Jesus said to those men, come be my disciples. And then to the deaf men and the blind men and the hemorrhaging women and the lepers, Jesus says, be healed. To these people who were not permitted to be a part of society because of their ailments, Jesus says to these people, be healed and rejoin the community. Because we've got to keep that in mind as well. If you were sick, if you were a leper, you couldn't even come to the synagogue. And so when Jesus healed them, it was not just a physical healing. It was a social healing as well. 
and to the prostitutes and the sinners. Jesus says, you are forgiven. To these people who weren't permitted in the synagogue or who were going to be put to death for their transgressions, Jesus says, I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. You see, Jesus was in the business of caring for the rejected. And I think part of that's because Jesus knew rejection so well himself. And now, that might not seem like I'm saying anything too new or exciting or groundbreaking, but I invite you to really think about this truth this morning. Because I know that you felt rejected before. It's just a part of the earthly experience. It's a part of being human. <laughs> Were you ever the last one picked for the team? Have you ever had a friend who ditched you at a moment in need? Have you ever been picked on because you didn't quite fit in with everybody else? Have you ever given a gift only to see it completely brushed aside or forgotten or go unaccepted? These are painful moments. These are painful moments in our life that scar us for years and years to come. What we need to know, though, is that at these moments when we've been hurt so deeply, we're actually being intimately connected and united with Jesus. You see, that's right, that's right. I know that it feels awful, but when we have been rejected, the truth is, at these lonely moments when everyone else has turned their backs on us, we are actually united with Jesus, the rejected Savior. That's a nice, comforting thought. And I want to be clear and be very honest with you this morning. It's this idea... This promise of our faith that got me through high school. Being a young person has never been easy. And I know that it's even harder today than it was for me back then. And so I want our young people to know this morning. I want you to know that if you feel rejected at school or or, or on social media, because I know where that's where most of it takes place these days, I need you to know that God will never reject you. And not only that, but when you're feeling low, please know That Jesus is right there with you at that time. Your God knows what rejection feels like. And so your God will be with you when you're feeling that rejection. Okay, now, there's more to come with this. And and I wanted to make sure, it's Black History Month. And so I always like to try and find a quote from a great black theologian or individual from history to kind of reinforce some of the themes that we're seeing. And so I want to tell you about a guy named Dr. James Cone this morning. He passed away this past year, and he has written an immense amount of work. Most of his theology is focused on this idea of God being with people who have been rejected. One of his most famous works is God of the Oppressed. And I'd like to read to you from that work this morning. Cone writes, Therefore, to know Jesus is to encounter him in the history of the weak and the helpless. That is why it can be rightly said that there can be no knowledge of Jesus independent of the history and culture of the oppressed. You see, Jesus is on the side of the oppressed and the rejected. Jesus is constantly hanging out with the outcasts and the unwanted. Jesus didn't come to earth in order to climb the corporate ladder. He didn't come to earth in order to build up a nice 401k. He didn't come so that he could be famous and well-liked. He didn't come to earth for all of the glory and the fame or so that he could become king. Jesus came to earth for the rejected and the lowly and the downtrodden and the oppressed. 
He came so that we would always know that there's someone with us when we are in pain. Someone weeping alongside of us. Someone to be our good shepherd, our eternal comfort. Someone to be our prince of peace when everything feels like it's falling apart. Now, I want to try and make this plain for you today. Because as I said, we've had a lot of funerals here lately. And, and we've had a lot of funerals at Reformation. And, and during funerals, part of the problem is that they're hard for everybody. Not, not just for the individual family that's mourning the loss of their loved one. But because each funeral just draws up all the emotions we might connect with funerals in general. And, and so maybe this funeral that you're attending for a friend... Maybe you're also thinking about your mother who you lost or your husband who you lost. And so all of a sudden you're grieving for three people all at once. Oh, but there's good news, Reformation. Because Jesus is with us in our grief. Grief is a moment of supreme rejection and sadness. And Jesus knows what it feels like to weep and to grieve over the loss of a loved one. Jesus knows what it feels like to feel sorrow and pain. And so we can take comfort in knowing that when we are having those big, deep, difficult emotions, those moments are actually an encounter with Jesus. Because Jesus is with those who are rejected and oppressed. Jesus is with those who are mourning and poor in spirit. But that's not even the half of it. I've been saying all this weekend long at the different funerals that we've had, and I'll say it again here this morning. Yeah, Jesus is with us when we mourn and feel rejected, but the truly powerful truth that we can cling to is that Jesus is with those who have faced the ultimate rejection. I'm talking about death. Death is the ultimate and seemingly the most final rejection that we can encounter. And yet, Jesus didn't, didn't just stop there. It's not just that he's there with us in our pain and our sorrow. Jesus went willingly to the cross to face this ultimate rejection himself. He went to the cross to face this ultimate rejection for us. So that we would not fear the grave any longer. So that we would not mourn eternally over the loss of loved ones. Jesus went to the cross in order to reveal his true power in that moment. It wasn't a throne that Jesus climbed up to become king on. It was a cross that he was nailed to so that we would see, so that all history would see, just how far our God will go for us. Just how present our God is with us in the moment of ultimate rejection. Even all the powers of evil and sin and death will not be able to separate us from God in Christ Jesus. There is no outside force that can ever reject God's loving arms for us. So whatever you might be going through, whether it's a small rejection that you just can't quite get over, or whether it's the life-shaking pain of losing a loved one, hear this promise clearly this morning, Reformation. Jesus is with you now. And not only that, but nothing, nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, the one who went to the cross for our sake. Thanks be to God for this promise. Amen.